The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Hey nerds, discover your geeky haven with Toink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Get ready for your spring sci-fi celebrations, including First Contact Day and May the 4th with Toink exclusives that are out of this world. Use code WINGEEKS15 to save 15% off of your order. To another episode, yeah, episode of Wookie Radio. Are you sure? No, I think we're the Smugglers Three, Ken, Derek, and Mike. I'm not positive. And we're not going to help you. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess this is where I ask, how are you guys doing? Because <laughs> I'm a total lost. <laughs> <sighs> All right. I wasn't sure I was going to make it tonight, but hey, I'm here. I uh, I almost was having to take the. I had to take a nap after work. I thought I was actually getting sick. Oh no, it's Mm-mm. not good. Nope. I took a nap and I feel better. So that's good. We'll see how long this lasts. That's good. Well, check out the homepage. Hey, guess what? It'll be caught up soon because I'm going to be out on medical leave for eight weeks. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, but you can still check out the right hand side of our page um, where it's got our affiliates supporting them, help support us. I will say I gotta go back and add the other two days, but I did get videos from StarWars.com of the first first two days of celebration. So. Hmm. So I did that. I just got to go back and get the other two put on the site. So, so they're there for posterity as another way of um, finding the the videos without searching through everything on on uh, on YouTube's on the YouTube's. It's easy to find stuff on YouTube. I mean, there's not that much on there to start with. Just a few things. Nah, not really. <laughs> um, that was interesting. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, that's the show. Thanks, guys, for coming. And uh, oh, wait, no. um, actually, we got a few things to cover tonight. We got Obi Wan, and uh, I do have. Have a listener topic this week. 
for us to discuss as well. But I also have find the email. Uh, our good friend John, uh, he's weighing in on um, our response to the stormtroopers, why they were misnomer of having bad shots in some ah. discussion we had about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the email goes, I'm sorry, John, I forgot to ask you if I could read it, but you know us, we're going to read the emails. <laughs> um, hey, Mike, thanks for the warm welcome back. Of course, always. We we actually can't wait to get you on the show, as a matter of fact. So I figured in, weighing, I figured I'd weigh in with my tactical knowledge, applying it to the Star Wars universe. But you are actually right, mostly. Oh, oh I like wow. <laughs> I, hey, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Hey, I resent that. <laughs> Uh, suppressive fire and covering fire are pretty much the same thing with slight differences. Suppressive fire is used to keep the enemies down by laying down large amounts of rounds downrange quickly or as long as needed for ideally short durations due to ammo expenditure. Okay, so let's figure with Star Wars it's not necessarily ammo expenditure, but more power expenditure. It equates to the same thing. Because the the clips are, are based on the power cells on the web. Um, uh, denying the enemy opportunity or reaction time to fire back, it could be applied to cover a large area where the exact enemy position is not fully known. Though we are trained and never do things such as the old video game spray and pray, uh, we don't just aimlessly fire and hope something happens. Uh, Also, it works as a psychological factor, too, because the barking of fully sustained automatic fire is louder than a rifle carbine, uh, faster and more intimidating sound that instills the fear in the enemy from a large volume of rounds heading at them, keeping them pinned. Covering fire is very similar, though it is used more as a means to to protect individuals or groups with more precision fire for troops who are on the move doing a task that will leave them open being targeted and fired upon. Be it a medic moving or treating a casualty, troops moving up to a better or different fighting positions, etc. In Star Wars, these same basic maneuvers would be the same for any trained fighting force. Also in regard to some of the other comments about Imperial weapons use and functionality, um, as I am now on the final Thrawn novel, Treason, I know that in the, in the second book, Alliances, they went into detail of, stormtrooper, of a stormtrooper's helmet and armor. They had no issue with visibility and can use different optical settings for darkness, low light combat. So even though a real world appearance of putting one on, or one made on your head, it's nothing as it is in the Star Wars universe. So I guess because of the uh, it's, it lays out more in the books that there there is some tactical hubs with, within the lenses. Yeah, if I remember that was in the back of my head when I was saying that. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we discussed that too. Um, as a former army paratrooper whose position in my squad was gunner, aka machine gunner, automatic rifleman, and including the automatic grenade launcher. Oh, cool! Um, I operated the crew served automatic uh, weapons that have the most impact with covering and suppressive fire. So equivalent to one of my favorite weapons systems I used was the M2 Modduce uh, .50 BMG, which would equate to the E-Web Heavy Repeating Blaster. Okay. Oh. I'll, I'll just say hoorah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, I forgot who said it was a spray and pray weapon. That might have been me, uh, but no way, but by no means it is definitely it. definitely not me. <laughs> was it? And I think I was the one tossing around the, the phrase spray and pray. And I don't think I was actually meaning it 
it intentionally for one weapon. I, I think I was mentioning it more towards like a, a technique, which mm. obviously, uh, thanks to John, uh, is incorrect. <laughs> a more focused spray and pray is considered suppressive fire, which is what I meant to, mm. to use. Um, but the E-Web, like the good old Ma Deuce, was used in a heavy machine gun role and won the most powerful of the Stormtrooper Corps' um, repeating blasters, also making them making it a deadly accurate weapon when utilized by a trained crew served by two Stormtroopers in a maximum fire range of 750 meters. It also has computerized fire control and targeting system, infrared, star vision, low light enhanced for night and low light combat, and even a shield to protect the gunners from small arms fire. Uh, now, just some thoughts on other comments and speculation about Stormtrooper Scout Troopers and other things I heard or misheard. Uh, the average Stormtrooper was not the only main backbone of the Imperial Army. It also went uh, extensive training and to compete complete ideological loyalty, making it making a fanatical fighting force, making them in every essence stormtroopers by their tactics and actions, such as disregard for their lives of such as the disregard for the lives of fellow troopers while engaging in battle. Okay. Yeah, we've seen um, a lot of it's from legends and stuff like that. But we've seen a lot of things over the years in books and comics and everything else about basically the it's kind of tantamount to basically um, brainwashing for their troopers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we kind of get that as well with the first order. Yeah. Well, they want to remove as much individuality as you can and turn them into basically every one of them is just stormtrooper. Thus, you get just number designations. You don't have a name anymore. Right. Uh, the average stormtroopers overall average 77% accuracy on fire on their targets. Also, scout troopers were a force to be reckoned with. They had a larger amount of mission duties and training than your TK buckethead. Tasked and trained with reconnaissance, law enforcement, force protection, speeder bike operations, and even espionage and high-value intelligence gathering. Uh, also, scouts were the best marksmen in the Stormtrooper Corps, uh, which also gives them additional roles as snipers, um, it, with even some being uh, specialized in assassin assassinations. Uh, they also carried a wide variety of small arms and explosives uh, and were all issued the widely disregarded EC-17 holdout blaster. Uh, basically, and then he, he goes on to explain, uh, like, the instance we see him with the uh, taking pot shots in Mandalorian, um, when they couldn't even hit it at close range, uh, was the black... Um, I guess uh, it was not their main weapon, uh, contrary contrary to some of the movies, um, but it had a built-in targeting scope for better marksmanship. It was made and used for close-range targets, uh, as in its name, Holdout, and was used as a last resort in sidearm. So it is just that whole scene. I'm assuming um, that whole scene then was just used as a to carry on the joke that you know, a stormtrooper couldn't hit the right side of a barn if it was standing yeah. right next to it. That's the way I took it when I saw it. Uh, then he said, I want to talk about the scenario when the TKs were in the firefight when boarding operations with Tanta 4. Now, talking real-world tactics is very much just for action and entertainment. Uh, doorways are one of the places we call fatal funnels, uh, since there's no way to get out of precision ambush while entering through a com- the confined space. So other actions would have been taken in the Tanta 4's boarding. Ideally, stormtroopers definitely would not have stood in an open, open doorway to, quote-unquote, spray and pray due to them being in the fatal funnel of fire. Uh, ideally, if they weren't trying to capture Leia, they would have taken cover back on their side of the entrance and then tossed in some thermal detonators and then pushing the assault with shock and firepower on their side, which makes sense. Yeah. So um, there's a bit more, but uh, it, 
it's there there were some things that um well, it sounds like there's a lot of things we got right and uh and we were on the right path right track with so um i think we defended the stormtroopers well and just a lot of it is tactics and what was involved what what was mm-hmm. needed involved at the time that I think the situation the, was being done i think that the point still remains that the stormtroopers in reality aren't as bad as everyone jokes about right yeah well the point we made there that night is you got to remember the line from Tarkin in A New Hope when he said, um, this better work, Vader. I, we're taking a lot of risk by allowing them to leave. Yeah, right. Those stormtroopers were told, don't hit the target. That's what it sounds like to me. Now, the amount of blaster bolts flying there, that would actually tell me that these troopers are actually a, a better shot because they didn't accidentally hit them. You're throwing that much, um, that many blaster right. bolts down range, you don't accidentally hit something? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Those weren't huge corridors most of the time. No. Right. No, they weren't. So, um, before we get into the episode, into parts one, two, and three, since they're being so creative. The first, but, well, the uh, the first half of the season. We're already more than halfway through the season. There's only two weeks left. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on this week's uh, Obi Wan Wednesdays and what that's been brought, what's been brought to us or highlight. Uh, first up, Tala Doroth Funko Pop. Uh, she what she is an Imperial officer who has um, seen more the light of the rebellion and, and does not agree with the, uh, the Empire. Mm-hmm. And as we'll talk about, has been helping uh, Jedi's escape. Yeah, I got a lot to talk about on that once we actually get into this. Uh, second thing coming out. Uh, we already know about the third sister Reva retro figure. Uh, the rest of the wave has been announced. Uh, Obi Wan. Now these are these are three and three quarter, right? Yeah. These are three and three quarter, and they are. Oh, these are the old school five point of articulation too. Yes, yes, they are. And these take and looking at the um, like the capes on some of these, it's almost a mix between um, A New Hope and Empire, and then the soft goods from that they were starting to use in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's the only soft goods. I remember from A New Hope or Empire was the Jawas. Everything yeah, else was final cape. Well, the Jawas had the vinyl cape too. They had both, yes. Because I had both. I, I had uh, mine that were vinyl cape. I made the leaders and the cloth ones were just the, the schmoes. Um, so we have Kenobi, the wandering Jedi. Uh, he comes with blaster and lightsaber and it's similar to the Luke style lightsaber uh, from Empire and Return of the Jedi. Those outfits with been fatigues and and, uh, and Jedi Knight. Uh, we have Fifth Brother, Grand Inquisitor. Uh, Grand Inquisitor has vinyl cape, and they have their double-bladed lightsaber in the old-school traditional lightsaber. Yep, all one piece, one color. Uh, we have the Ned, Ned 8 droid. <laughs> he comes with the mallet. This is cool. Mm-hmm. I, would, there. I got a question about that. But. I would. This is one I would love, definitely love to get more than one because I have an idea for, for a second one. And then uh, we, we have Vader again. Uh, it is the same mold. It, it's actually a different mold. It's not the original body, like the one that we saw uh, from the previous retro collections. Yeah. With the extending well, lightsaber, this one actually yeah. has a the holding lightsaber and the soft goods cape. This one weird. also has red eyes too. I say for me, it's it's always weird to see the figures with the red eyes for Vader. Yeah, I understand that's the way they actually are on set, but it, it, when you're looking at it on set, that you never see the red eye. Very, very because briefly. the way the lighting is. Yeah, yeah. But this Vader. 
Vader definitely piques my interest. It is different. It's like what they've done is changed the right arm, a little different paint scheme on the on the head, and and, and took away the vinyl cape and gave them a soft goods cape. I kind of miss the vinyl cape. Uh, if you want the vinyl cape, uh, look at the the original vintage stuff. Yeah. Or retro lines that they brought back. There is a Vader in that with vinyl cape. Uh, from Lego, a Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Darth Vader action set. And this is where you can recreate the battle on the on the bay where Vader burns Kenobi. And looking at all the features of this. Yeah, well. <laughs> We're going to be spoiling it anyway, so... <laughs> This is a Star Wars podcast in that episode where it was like a week ago as a recording. Trust me, everybody's seen it. Did I see it? Uh, the minifigs in this, you have Obi-Wan Kenobi, you have Darth Vader, you have Tala, and you have Ned 8. I love the look of the Ned 8 minifig. Yeah. I, I'm, just for the minifigs alone, I am interested in this set. This one's um, interesting because if you look at it, really, it, other than the play features of it, where they actually have parts where Vader and um, Obi-Wan get the twist on the platforms and stuff. Yeah. Other than that, it's a pretty basic set other than getting the, te- the um, you could make the, it looks like there's really not much special other than the um, right. the minifigs. Other than that, you could make this out of any Legos you have sitting at home. Pretty much. But I, I like how it's got the con tower. It's got the turbine engine there, yeah. winch or whatever. Um, and then the, I, to me, even though it's basic, this could this could almost serve as a dual purpose for, for another, you know, it's like a landing platform somewhere as well. Yeah. So yeah, like I, mean, I was thinking, it's like there's really there's nothing on this scream Star Wars other than the figures. Yeah. And the Ned A looks great. I, I'm actually digging this. Did you go to Lego's website? They have a lot better pictures of it. Yep. And really, even the con tower stuff, nothing there screams that this is a Star Wars set. Oh, uh, $50. It's not bad for this. Yeah. That's because you do have a lot of pieces and there are uh, moving parts and things in yep. here. Like the um the storage bin in the back that has the like fire bricks or whatever they're going to yep. call that. Yep. That pl- opens up and um, Obi-Wan and Vader they actually have spinning platforms that you can fight back and forth. That I remember if I remember is a feature from Legos way back all the way back to um, Phantom Menace wasn't it? Didn't they have some sets like that from Phantom Menace? I think so. And then of course you know the the special parts for the uh, for the turbine as well so uh, yeah I mean I'm I'm impressed with it. I kind of actually like the set and will consider getting it. It, It's on my wish list. Um, And then from Mattel a Lola plush to you too if you don't want the actual Hasbro Lola droid, you can have a plush Lola to sleep with. How long until someone makes a Lola drone that actually floats around? Oh, that would be so cool. Because we got the BB-8s and all those ones that are app-controlled. It's like an app-controlled Lola that actually has the fans and stuff to make it actually a drone. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, um, let's get into part one. And uh, over on Mighty Marvel Geeks, we call it the Fantastic, our Fantastic Four takeaways. Here, I have to ask Eric what we came up with. Plus, we come up with something better right now it's our top four smugglers drops from each episode each one of us is gonna have our own drops. i thought we did have something thought we did have something else. i don't remember i think it was i think it was just a, a placeholder shut it down well i'm gonna go with smugglers drops since we're smugglers and it's our drops on the episode so um derek your first your, your number four drop for part one what 
do you think that thing was that they were cut that Obi Wan was cutting out as his job for the meat? I was assuming it was a crate dragon. I thought that too. Um, but then at my local comic book shop, some of them was a couple of the guys were saying maybe a space whale that crash landed or something. Oh, oh a per- pergil, but it doesn't pergil? match it. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's not it though. Mm-hmm. I, it, I thought we, I thought we saw what the, I thought we saw the carcass they were cutting up in the background. I have to rewatch, but I, I thought we did. No, see. I have it right here. I let me see if I can get we a screen grab, but of this. not because they were saying the meat kind of looks like fish. Yeah, which, yeah. Could, be, which could be a car, a pargill. Uh, here, give me half a second. Here, I have it actually froze on screen here, so you guys can see. I brought up the episode to play in the background. Uh. Now, if I can figure out how to do this, you see it there. So that is some type of a um space going. That's a flying creature of some sort. Can you guys see it there? No, I got black screen. No, yeah, ah. black screen. Again. I'll bet you. I'll bet you Disney Plus has a thing so you can't share the screen. <laughs> Maybe try this again. Yeah, it's not gonna let me do it. Oh, shame on them. So, but how, how are we as podcasters supposed to be able to talk about this? I know, especially when um StarWars.com does not doesn't have very very little information about this. But I had a theory on that because they've not put up episode guides or anything else. But I'm wondering if one, either they're gonna wait till the series is done because this is a limited series. This is a six part done. Yeah. Or everybody's still recovering from celebration and they haven't had a chance to put their articles together yet. <sighs> I say less likely on that one. Just saying, less likely yeah. on that. One. But this actually looks. It look. Uh, I thought Pergil until I went back and looked and remembered that no, Pergils look like a whale in the front and then a squid in the back. Yeah. This doesn't have the tentacles, but this looks sure. very familiar. I think we've seen this before. Let me see if I can. Where I can find it if I do some Google searching. Someone may have already um, figured out what this is. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. So Ken, you're number four. Half a second. Unless I stepping on your toes, Derek, and you still have more to add. Nope. That was that was it okay. for my number four. Cool. If okay. I if I jump ahead too fast, just let me know. We'll do. Thank you. I don't know, but so your number uh, four. Mine is um mine's real simple because we had already mentioned she was there, but my friend Molly Miller um getting the actual lines and speaking role on Star Wars. Yeah. Was yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and playing basically a handmaiden for Leia. Yes, that was so awesome. That was so awesome. I mean, I remember when um she moved out to L.A. to try to um get some work and it's just and it's exploded she's not had downtime since she moved out there hey that could be a good thing yeah so yeah I, i'm happy to see the progress that she's been making that's so cool she's been in everything too i mean yeah almost want to say you know she typecast but she's not uh it's she is a little bit but that's just she's able that's to really how it works physically the way you look affects everything you do she she's just right look for the right time for the right place mm-hmm. it all comes together so um for me my number four Lola. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And and Lola is going to be this series Grogu, I think. No, no, no. That's Leia. Mm, Nah. Yeah, I I think Leia is Grogu for this. Yeah, but I I think the the hot toy is going to be the Lola, though. Mm. I think that's going to end up being the hot toy. So, um, it's moving right along. Number three. Oh, back to me. Back to you. Uh, my number three takeaway is so Obi-Wan, the once great Jedi, um, now works a monotonous job cutting meat from some kind of creature and lives in a cave and uh, it seems like at the moment, in the beginning of the show, watching Luke is the only thing keeping him going. Yeah, yeah, I was catching some of that. And it's interesting how you see that um, we assumed when he went to Tatooine he gets to learn how to speak to Qui-Gon and after 10 years he still hasn't um, been able to figure out how to commune with Qui-Gon. Right. Which, Which seems odd considering he was used as the he was one of the top Jedi mediators. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, Ken, you're number three. Oh. Or was that just it? No, no, no that was adding on okay. to there. But um, it's interesting. Or um, no, my one of my takeaways is um, Joel Egerton as Uncle Owen. Yep. And the mm. the interactions between Owen and Obi Wan and um, how much that puts on even better the performance of what you see in episode four. Yeah. Because Joel Ecton has gone from being a kid who has just met who with his girlfriend, Baru and meets Anakin to this. Uh, and this is, you can see where uncle Owen is at. Right. Mm-hmm. And the interactions between him and Kenobi and, te- and telling Kenobi, stay away from the kid. Yep. He is becoming that old curmudgeon. That's trying to, and you can see that he's not, he's not just mean. He's actually trying to save and try to uh, protect his nephew. He knows what will happen if, um, right. If anybody discovers who this kid is to the point where he almost dies in this episode to protect Luke. Yeah. Which kind of leads right. to my, which kind of leads to my number three, the interaction between Kenobi and, and, and Lars and Lars throws the best shot ever. You know, Kenobi makes a line or it talks about how he needs to check on the kid and train the kid. Now he's getting to that age. He needs to be trained. And Lars just throws back. He trained his father. How did that turn out? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Nice dig. Ouch. Nice dig. Love that. So, uh, number two for part one. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, number two for me was the, uh, I loved how the Inquisitors came looking, looking for a Jedi and all along you thought at first it was Obi-Wan and then, and then it turned out to be the other Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Who they ended up catching eventually. Yes, they did. Yeah. All the stuff that the Inquisitors said about how to find Jedi, they're saying this because this is the way it works and that's the way most Jedi are. Yeah. Right. And they proved it. Yeah. Which makes the, which makes it even more interesting to watch the Inquisitors do what they do yeah yeah uh i guess we'll keep going um ken you're number two um it was good to see um because they they had actually kept it under wraps if i remember right it was great to see jimmy smith as bail organa and actually get to see alderaan and what um at least the around the city there like yes because they tease obviously in a new hope you see just the planet in revenge of the sith you get a little bit of um him flying down and then you see them sitting on a balcony and that's it now we actually get to see the different things around Alderaan and um, and by doing that you see little teases of um, Leia's actual mother and the way she acts and things like um, this part with Mo- Molly that was something that Padme used to do is using decoys and stuff yep. Mm, yep. yep so just Alderaan in general but especially um, seeing Bail Organa yeah yep. my number two Flea <laughs> I, when I saw him pop on screen, I'm like, wait, oh. and then he spoke. I'm like, yep. Okay. I'm sold. Yeah, me too. I was like, I'm sold. I was like, no, wait a minute. Is that flea? I'm sold. That one we had heard, I had heard about somewhere. I They had already mentioned that he was going to be in this. Yes. He, he they mentioned he was going to be in the show, I got that. but I never, I never heard what he was going to be doing on the show. They never, and that was not what I was expecting him to be. Yeah. But so glad to see him in that role of a bounty hunter. I was like, okay, well, yeah. that, it, it fits him. But he could. Yeah, that's the one thing they have done with all these series so far. It's when they do stunt casting like this, like bringing in Danny Trejo, like bringing in um, Thundercat, like bringing in Flea. It's not just a throwaway cameo role. No, usually it actually is a character that means something. Yes, mm. and it it worked with him. So, Derek, your number one smuggler drop for part. It was uh, really cool and interesting to see uh leia's interactions with with bale yeah yeah it was it was very like that the scene where where they're you know after
after she run gets you know after she runs away and he's talking to her um that was a really good scene i really enjoyed that yeah i'll agree Ken, number one uh well one part mine really is um if you watch this um the, everybody talks about with star wars the hero's journey and all this stuff if you look this actually is um they've actually taken that and um moved on it again this is obi-wan uh, trying to return to the hero's journey or resisting right. it but being for being forced yeah. mm-hmm. to return to the role of a hero yeah because uh, he rejects it and rejects it and rejects it until he has no other option and it's interesting because this one um we we were speculating uh, and a lot of people everywhere were speculating on why in the world would obi-wan leave the leave here and the only reason i didn't realize this entire series was basically going to be obi-wan returning leia home yeah right and, and I, i'm gonna say you you called it from the get-go you you, yeah. you have said what before we got before we even started watching the show before the show came out when we were speculating what's gonna cause nobody to leave leave the planet mm-hmm. you immediately went something to do with leia that's the only reason for him to leave these whereas, two children are the hope for the galaxy right. whereas derek and i were like yeah that's highly possible but i don't think that's going to be the initial thing right away it's, it's something well, with her is going to lead to so. it to, to involving her but like derek was saying i wasn't sure that that was going to be actually it yeah also um there was some great parallels between obi-wan and ray obi-wan had went out in the middle of nowhere in the desert and buried his lightsabers yeah at the end of uh mm, right. the rise of skywalker ray goes out and buries luke's luke and leia's lightsabers or was it just luke's no it was luke and leia wasn't it, it was luke and leia's that she buries yeah yeah, yeah. she buries them because she has her own and it was how awesome was it to see him open that box and see um anakin's lightsaber sitting there too yeah it's it's also interesting to note that so he buried he buried the lightsabers um to try and hide you know as part of trying to hide and gave up on them but he digs them up obviously and then going back to a new hope he has the lightsaber in his in his hut there to give to luke so he probably didn't rebury it yeah i don't think he i don't think he reburied it no this series is well we've seen up through episode four derek you've not seen episode four but in the first three here you can see this is the um this whole series is about obi-wan basically finding his mojo again without a better way of saying it him going from this um broken beaten down um old man that that has given up on the universe to finding hope in the universe again yeah which is why where why he would keep the lightsaber and things like that once and i think also this is going to be him um figuring out what it takes to stay away from the inquisitors and stuff so that he's not as scared like i would say at the beginning of this they talk about leading to the dark side but he is terrified at the beginning of this series that he's going to get found out and luke's going to get found out right I, i agree with all that so um who's next with number ones is it me or is it you yeah, the last one i'm the last one uh, yeah uh for me i think we what i noticed quite a bit was um with obi-wan we definitely are seeing elements of major ptsd with him you know the shock of order 66 yeah. the shock of um because it leads to be- the very beginning of the episode of you know the temple being attacked in the younglings mm-hmm. and of course he watched all that afterwards and it hit him so hard that uh you know he you know becomes the you know ha- has the issues um now that brings up since you brought up the younglings i had almost forgot that was a very bold choice to start with order 66 for the series yes and do you oh, think yeah. that one youngling there actually is reba uh n- no i i think um 
I've seen that in other places, so you're not the first one to ask that. No, I'm not. I'm not. I was just getting you guys' opinion on it because she's about the right age, and they do make a point in this that um, a lot of the many of the Inquisitors were actually fallen Jedi. Right. So I think it might be possible. I don't know whether or not it actually is her. We'll see. But I think it's po- there's a possibility there. I I honestly think it's um, I, I think the one Jedi that approaches Kenobi in the desert is one of those kids. Well, none of the I'm looking at that scene right now, none of those kids had the facial markings like he did. He had the lines on his chin and up over his forehead. Did he? I didn't catch yeah, that. Yeah, unless those were tattoos that were added later. They may have been tattoos added later. I didn't catch that either. I'm going to have to go back and look at this again. I had the benefit of actually skimming through the episodes in the background here while we're working. <laughs> if I did that, I would have, hmm. I'd be muting it because it would pop through onto the recording. See, that's Yeah, I have it all muted out so that you don't catch it. Um. So yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think we're still, I, I loved how we're, we're seeing the trauma that he's dealing with. Yeah. With it all. And it, it's just very cool oh, yeah, how, that, how that's playing out. I mean, it's not cool that it's happening, but you know, as opposed to when we see him in the new hope, and how we saw him at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Um, it, it's, it's glad I, I'm glad to know that. Well, no, he he just wasn't a normal. You know, just a oh, none of this affects me. Yada yada yada. It did affect him. It affected him hard. And, and this is the result. So uh, very very pleased to. See to see that yes he is affected so moving on to part two and we're gonna do our you mean star wars meets blade runner <laughs> yeah hmm. and we're gonna start with you this episode number four uh let's head back to the beginning of here uh actually i'm gonna start with um camille Nanjani's role of the imitation jedi oh man yeah <laughs> Hey, it was my four as well. Well, the cool thing is <laughs> that makes you, it you easy. See the beginning, and it makes and it makes sense because you can see the way he's acting and stuff. That that's not there's no way he's actually a Jedi. But then when right. you find out towards the end that actually um, he's making a buck, but he actually is trying to help people. And yeah. you get the introduction to right, something yeah. that's a major plot point for the rest of the series of this idea of the path, which is an underground railroad for Jedi and um, other Force sensitive people. Because you find out the Empire is hunting all Force sensitive people, yep. not just Jedi. Yep. If you display any affinity to the force, they're going to take you. Now, no one knows what happens to those people, but. <laughs> right. Uh, so go ahead, Derek, and add to this since you said this is your four as well. Well, I've just, um, I'm a fan of his. Um, I've liked him in other things. Um, I liked him in Eternals. Um, I liked him in, um, oh, I'm blanking on the ship. Um, I think I might look him up. The, uh, uh, hold on, I have it right here. Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, that show. Oh, yes. He was great in that show. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his to begin with. And I knew he was going to be in Obi-Wan, but I didn't know what he was going to do. So I like that they gave him a part that kind of fits him, I think. Yep. And uh, I think, yeah, I think he did a good job. I think it was a lot of fun to see him in there. Um, looking back at other stuff he, he's done. Oh, he's been all over the place. Oh, yeah. I remember him in Eternals, which I did finally get around watching that not too long ago. Um, just looking through Central Intelligence, I kind of remember him. Oh, he's done yeah. a lot of voice acting. Adventure mm-hmm. Time, uh, Bob's Burgers, Lego Ninjago, Ninjago movie. Uh, I see he's in Portlandia. Yeah, but I never watched Portlandia. Probably should. I gotta check that out. He, I remember seeing him. I think the first time for a hot hot tub time machine. I think it's one of the first oh, times yeah. I saw him. <laughs> Actually, no, Franklin and Bash. I used to watch Franklin and Bash all the time. Oh, I've never seen that. It was uh, the guy who plays Zach from uh, Saved by the Bell. 
is a police detective. Oh, right. Uh, the show was on uh, TBS, I think. TBS TNT. It was a fun show. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, was he in? I know he was in the Walking Dead game. Was he in the Walking Dead? Any? No. I don't know. I, I don't think I he recall. was. Oh, no. Okay. I don't think so. Oh, I just found out, just saw oh. here. Molly is actually in, um, is the stunt double for Leia also. Yes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, definitely. This is one of her biggest roles. I actually reached out to her about coming back on the show. She says she would love to, but we got to go through Lucasfilm at the moment. Yeah. I'm like, mm. this is not like uh, the Mandalorian where she played uh, um small part stunt doubling a Jawa. No. No, she's right. a major part of this show. She, she's hit big time. We got to go through channels now. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. I can get all the stories off the record. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm so, mm-hmm. honestly, I am so happy for her for that, but oh. Yeah, right. I hate had that. We have to go to that point, but it's okay. Uh, my number four was for me, you know, we, we get onto uh, the new planet and as I'm watching the show, I'm pausing and taking snap, taking snapshots of the screen because I was in Arabish overload. I still haven't sat down to <laughs> to translate everything yet, but there, one of the signs says fresh milk and it's upside down. It, it reads from the bottom, <laughs> from the bottom up. So um, number three, back to Ken. What was I going to use for number three? Oh, we have the non-death, I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to change this of the Grand Inquisitor. In 15 yeah. years from now or 17 years from now, he's alive and well, unless that's a different moon. I mean, what's the chances that they would use the same race as a, but as a totally different character in this exact same role? It's the exact same character. I, oh. I, I actually cheated. I went to Wikipedia and he, I'm assuming he's not dead. He is not dead. Has the illusion of being dead for the sake of the third sister, for the sake of Reva, but he is off healing and will come back yeah. to take the role. Whether that ties in with Reva or not, I don't know. We'll have to see how this plays out with the season. So, Derek, you're number three. Well, uh, Ken kind of mentioned it. I think it was Ken uh, before. The uh, the whole planet that looks like it comes right out of Blade Runner. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Dayu. And uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a very interesting planet that I would love to see more of. I'm sure there's some great stories that can come out of that place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, my number three is uh, I don't remember if it's Kenobi who walks by or if it's Vader that walks by, but seeing the 501st trooper played by Timu Morrison sitting on the oh s- yeah 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 basically tomorrow Morrison yeah um basically you know homeless and begging mm. and of course you know this is the that person also- who was the basis for the 501st mm-hmm. for Vader's well, troops uh, also addresses a um question that people have had a long time ago how many of the stormtroopers are former clone troopers and stuff but you see the age right. of this guy where he would have aged out by now right yeah he's just too old to be a true to be a frontline stormtrooper Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So number two, if you would. Uh, just the idea of this Jedi under or the underground railroad style for Jedi and um, how Obi-Wan is given basically just this location that here, there's an automated cargo hauler going to the next planet. Look, go to this spot on this planet and someone else will pick you up yep. where this guy is a con man. But as all the best con men in Star Wars, he's actually doing the right thing, whether or not he's trying to make it a side hustle out of it or not. He's still trying to do the right thing from the, he very much i think um i i need to look up his 
name, but um, the Camille Nanjani's character basically fits right in with a Lando or a Han Solo or any of those smugglers oh, yeah. that are right. helping the rebellion. Uh, to throw a Star Trek uh, comparison, he's very Ferengi. Help you out for a profit. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> right. Let you buy into my con for a profit. Mm-hmm. Well, also, before we leave this episode, I um, one thing I did notice that was fantastic until you get towards the middle of this episode, you Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan does not use the force at all until you get to the middle of this episode and he's forced to save Leia. Yeah. If you watch it, like right. even when he gets in the fight in the spice den, you can tell he's hurting and stuff because he's not using the force to enhance his muscle and things the way he used to. Well, and then on top right. of that, you know, Leia keeps hounding him. Oh, you're not a Jedi. Why should, you know, you're actually trying to, you, mm. you know, you're not here to help me. You're, you're trying to get the bounty or whatever as well. And yada, yada, mm. yada. And, you know, and then she's being a bratty kid who has no idea who this guy is and when she jumps off and he goes to save it's like oh okay he is what he is <laughs> so um we're on number two right or three i think it's the last one we did we already did number ones i think yours no, I is think last Derek, did you get yours oh, we're on number two oh, uh right. yeah we're on number two we may not be i think we're gonna have to um i don't know where we're at time wise but we may have to do number <laughs> three next week. i know right do three uh, and four next week. Uh, we still got time we still got time um so i'm just trying to think y'all's first one okay so yeah this is where i'm wrapping up number two but i didn't do my number two yet well bathroom's behind you to the left or the refresher is behind you to the left actually to the right but okay to the right well i guess if you're walking out that way who does mr two what who does number two work for <laughs> who does number two work for <laughs> uh but anyway my number two is is um i'll just say real quick the uh re- the uh different relationships and interactions uh between the inquisitors um and i actually saw this somewhere else too but uh it actually that actually shows you why the sith have a rule of two yeah yeah i i, I found it interesting um that you know definitely power trips are are on the move it, the grand inquisitor mm. you now is, is doing his job he he's not he doesn't see himself as an apprentice he just sees himself as i am the leader of right of uh vader's special special forces so to speak he doesn't have a lot of ambition he's right. at the he realizes he's at the spot he's gonna stay at right right uh, he he's got that um uh, he, he has that role that he's supposed to play he knows his role and he's fine and with he's that. comfortable in his role yeah yes it's a job and that's the that's the big thing he he has is a job mm-hmm. so um for me, the number number two was um, the the girl with the pink hair. Mm-hmm. That's where I was going mm-hmm. next. Ewan McGregor's actual daughter mm-hmm. from his first marriage, yep. and, and I loved how uh, he makes the comment, or she makes the comment. I was once someone's daughter as well, or someone's daughter too. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. nice, nice shot, nice shot, very cool. Mm-hmm. So um, number ones. Well, let's go to um, the spice den itself, and how um, that freebie that she gave him basically saves Obi Wan's life. Yeah, but when he um, smashes it and it's great to see because you always hear about spice in Star Wars they've never they've never really stepped into what happens yeah. but um, a cloud of spice and all, all of a sudden these bounty hunters these big bad tough bounty hunters are just sitting there looking at the puffy cloud <laughs> <laughs> that's some strong stuff yep so Derek you're number one the moment Obi-Wan found out that Anakin was still alive oh yeah, yeah. it's another one of those moments that um, people have been wondering about for years did he know that Anakin survived Mm-hmm. Do you think that was a retcon? Moment? I love the way he found out. 
Uh, I don't. I don't think, think so. so. Because um, we know that he knew Anakin had become Darth Vader. He sees that in the security cam footage. But it is very much a major possibility that um, he did not know that um, Darth Vader survived the battle. Because out in Tatooine, the, you see the lifestyle he's leading. He's not looking at anything outside of Tatooine. He may right. have never even heard of Darth Vader outside of when the last time he saw him. Well, until until the Empire makes their presence on Tatooine anyway, which I almost want say Tatooine was probably one of the last places that the Empire probably makes its presence. And I think we see that presence start with, um, with the, you know, now with the Inquisitors showing up. Unless it's rumblings through, you know, all the smugglers and whatnot, be it them doing legit business or, um, you know, the shady business, you know, as a smuggler or as a scoundrel, I don't think you would have heard much about Vader. Yeah, quite possible. Yeah. So, as we've said before, the galaxy is a ginormous place. There's whole areas of the galaxy that probably have either never seen a stormtrooper, yep. or they're just the guys that are helping things move along. And, they're not these evil, and tyrannical even, um, soldiers, right? And even if he had somehow heard mention of Darth Vader or whatever, even then, I mean, how would he know it was Anakin? Well, like I said, um, if you watch in uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, they get the security hologra- holograms. Yes. He, when, he, uh, yeah. When the Emperor knights him as Darth Vader. True, yeah. But but he thinks yeah, he's killed true. Anakin a Mustafar, right. not knowing that he's been uh given the armor. Yeah. Right. And with that, you know, again, it could have been just rumblings. Yeah, there's this big intimidating guy named Vader out there. Mm. You would have thought maybe he would have put two and two together, but maybe he didn't. Like I said, if he didn't right. if um he didn't do anything that Vader would be covering and he's not looking at the news of the galaxy in general. Right. So so yeah. Um we're on number ones, right? Uh, oh God, where was I going to go? I, I'm going to go back to, uh, was it? I can't pronounce his name. Is it Kumjini? Um, Nanjani. Uh, Nanjani. Kumail. Yeah. Kumail. Um, his character, how near the end, he's like, go to this and just get on the transport ship, on the cargo ship. It will take you to where you need to go. Right. Uh, I mean, even after knowing that it's going to potentially put his life at, in danger at this point in time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because he comes hunting him down to, to tell him all this. And that character is um, Haja Estri. Okay. That's the name of the character. Oh, yes. Okay. So on to number two, part three. Uh, Derek, I'm going to start with you. Take away for your, your smuggler's drop for part three. Uh, number number four. Uh, um, number four. What's what's I found one thing I found interesting is um uh what was the name what was her name the the uh one who was disguised as the as Tala. part of the empire Tala. Tala yes um she she was also in Game of Thrones and she played uh the wife of Pedro Pascal's character in Game of Thrones. Okay, I forgot Pedro. Pascal was in so, Game of Thrones. Yep. So she has been in another life. She was married to the Mandalorian. Ooh. Again, <laughs> your uh, number four. Uh, just a second. I want to look something up. I think there was something else with her also. I'm flipping through her IMDb. I think she's been in Star Wars before also. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I was wrong. It wasn't her. Okay. But um, I want to go to that Net 8 uh, loader droid. There's more to that droid than um, what she says. She talks about how they, um, the loader
voters are just big oh, lumber right. dumb. They all they just do what they're told and that's it. And because they can't even talk because they don't mm-hmm. have enough programming. And yet when the stormtroopers start raiding the maintenance facility he's in, he's hiding a um mallet behind his back so he can actually defend that area. Yeah. That's a very not a right. droid thing. Droid would actually hold it out in the open. So the question is, is that actually a droid or is that someone disguised as a droid? Or is it kind of programming that she's leading on to? Yeah, one of the theories I've heard floating around out there is that is that possibly an actual Jedi in disguise? And even with Obi Wan mm. there, he still keeps the disguise going. Mm. Interesting. It is interesting. That's, that's a good thought. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not my original idea thought, but it is still worth talking about a little bit. Yeah, that's. Huh. We'll have to, to see how this plays out more. Yeah. See see if we get a more definitive answer. The thing is, I don't think it's gonna. Um, I don't think we're gonna get any more information about him unless it's from something else. Because that. Yeah, probably not. Watch now. We've gone four episodes in. I know Derek, you've not seen episode four, but it's a very much a linear story. I don't think we're gonna circle back to anywhere other than when he returns to Tat. Right. This is basically a six-part movie. I, it's a three-hour divided into six episodes. Right. If if he is a a actual droid, as was being alluded to on, uh, and it's Ned B, not Ned A, Ned B. Okay. Um, if he if he is an actual droid and not a human in, in, in disguise, um, could Tala have because he is involved in the underground movement? Could she have altered his programming some some to also be not only a loader in disguise? You know, his primary mission to, to help. Sure, yeah. Could he could he have been reprogrammed some as well to for protection, for security, whatever? Certainly. It's possible. So also um, I think um this path or and they talk an interesting um use of wordage, which you know they did on purpose, was um Obi-Wan talks about um while they're in that safe house, the way. They didn't do that on they didn't do that on accident, use that that um verbiage. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wonder is it gonna connect in somehow to the idea of the Mandalorian way. Right. Mm. Uh, my my number three or number four, Zach Braniff as uh as the voice of the of uh, Freck. Yeah. Zach Braff is the voice of Freck. I, I love that character. I, I love the character. Oh, where are you guys going? <laughs> I think he may want to check out those two. I that think he may be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, remember what we said before that in the in the wide universe, there's large areas that the Empire is the number. They're the legitimate government. Yeah. If people believe right. the propaganda, they've been told how the Jedi are evil and all this other stuff. Yep. So people are not trying to be um, the bad guy informing on others. It's just that's the way the government, the world works or the universe works. Yep. Right. He's. I mean, he picks up troopers and takes them back and forth on a regular on a regular runs back and forth, and it's just a normal day for him. It's not. He's not helping the tyrannical empire. True. Right. So, uh, number three, back to Derek. Back to me. Uh, speaking of Freck, the that entire part um, where they were on his his uh, his vehicle, and then they they picked up the stormtroopers and everything, and all of that. All of that was. There was a, a nice tension in those scenes that was that made it very interesting. Okay, maybe it's just me, but I I caught a very major uh, World War Two Holocaust type vibe with that <laughs> of the Jedi are, are almost he's almost being you know, with the way they're trying to escape is like the Jews on the underground and they right, right. and here they are getting onto a vehicle that is marked with Nazi markings, is it the Imperial markings? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the troops come out and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Quite interesting. It's also very interesting. You see the difference between what Obi-Wan was and what he is now when um, they're sitting there talking or the troopers are talking to them and stuff. And Leia is coming up with this story and Obi-Wan is the one that screws up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, Leia had no problem with the backstory and covering for it and all that. Obi-Wan was the one that was slow on his feet. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that I think that was a continuation of the, uh, um, whatchamacallit, the, the PTSD. Yeah. That all of a sudden, here's the stormtroopers that's making him um, mm. on edge, not not knowing what to do. So, or, or throwing them off his game, so to speak. That's cool. I just, I did, totally, a total aside is I'm um, skimming through the show here. I did, I forgot. We saw another one of those, um, Four wing uh, shuttles that we see from Rogue One. They you see yeah, yeah. It's just happy. You know, oh, the mining yeah, yeah. here. It's just it's a cargo shuttle, but it's cool to see the continuity between and seeing that here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a two frame shot of in the sky, but still. Yep. So Derek, you're number three. Um, number three or number two? Or yes, two, two, two. Okay. Uh, my number two was uh, I forgot what my number two was. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh yeah, my number two was uh, the. Uh, Interactions between Leia and and Obi Wan. It's interesting seeing their uh, relationship yeah. kind of unfold a little bit yep. throughout the episode. Yep. Uh, Ken, you're number two. Well, since we're getting towards the end, we're gonna have to d- spend some time here on. Um, I'm gonna start with Obi Wan's reintroduction to Darth Vader because last time he saw Darth Vader, he was fighting Anakin. Yeah. He has never seen right. the armor. He doesn't know anything about this. And then Vader being as brutal or more brutal than we have ever seen him before, randomly grabbing someone and choking him, then not even saying anything, just standing there choking the guy out. Then he grabs the next guy and does the same thing. Just waiting for um, mm-hmm. trying to bait. He's just ran- killing people for no reason just to get Obi-Wan to step out in the open. Yeah. The, to- right. the total disregard for life completely. Yeah. He doesn't care who he kills as long as he gets what he needs. Yeah. And that is not the Anakin Sky- that, um, that actually really puts weight into um, Obi-Wan's point of view from the original trilogy. The Dar- um, Anakin Skywalker is dead. This is the guy that he just saw on the street. Right. It may be the body of Anakin Skywalker, but that is not his friend Anakin Skywalker. Anakin could not right. do this. Right. That is Darth Vader. Darth Vader is a totally different person who happens to be in Anakin's body. Yep. Yeah. And then we gotta get we eventually gotta get into the battle there too. <laughs> that was gonna be my number two. And it, I still don't know how I feel about it because I think it takes away the essence of the the scene when the, of their final battle in, in Star Wars. Well, one thing you gotta remember with this battle here, if you watch um in the um the death star battle remember we talked about this before that's um more than likely obi-wan went into that knowing he was going to not make it right and it just resigned to the fact that he's going to die on the death star and the whole purpose or purpose of that battle was to allow the other guys to escape to allow the million falcon to get out of there that's what that's why he went into that battle i think he actually went looking for vader and this uh, one if you, yeah I, I believe he did yeah if you watch in this one it's he's reacting and he's defending the whole time just trying to get away he, he this battle was also um, the distraction also because he was trying he was trying to get Vader away from the city where he was killing people. Then right. once he has Vader there, it's like okay, now I got to figure out how to get out of here. He's not he's not trying to confront Vader. He's just trying to get a um, trying to get out and um, make sure that less people have to die. Right, but I I think it still takes away from you. You get that essence with that final battle on the Death Star of oh you're still around oh you're still around and they hadn't seen each other yeah. since Revenge of the Sith. Since the, I the events, I, I totally get what you're saying there, and I'm still I I am torn about I'm the still scene. Kind of on the fence. The yeah, I am too. That, I'm I'm on the fence. But the only thing I think that um doesn't quite fit exactly is how um Vader tells him that when I last saw you, you were the master, and I was the student. Now I'm the master. Right. Yeah. You think he was um? You'd think during this battle it would have been flipped also, but maybe he didn't consider himself a master of the dark side at this point. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, that's why I. I, 
I feel conflicted with the retcon on this mm-hmm. of the fact that they're they're meeting. It, it, the cool thing. I mean, well, it, it was cool to see it. It just didn't feel right for me. Yeah, it was a cool sequence, and I, and I love how you left me to burn. Now I'm going to leave you to burn. Mm. Um, cool, like it, but it it still throws everything off from the final battle. Yeah, it just makes everything feel a little awkward. Well, we also have um, for us, we have two more episodes to see what happens. True. Uh, speaking of that, let's go to our final smugglers drops number one the pure anger and hatred darth vader displayed during this episode from all the things that we've mentioned before from when he was walking down the street just killing random people to his fight with obi-wan to him trying to burn obi-wan it it just completely you saw you even though it was darth vader and you couldn't see his face his face or anything you could still see how much, how angry he was at Obi-Wan and how much he hated him. Yeah. yeah. And it was really cool. Uh, Ken, you're number one. Mine is um, Hayden Christensen returning to the role of Darth Vader. But if you watched in, um, I'm sure he wasn't always in the suit, but if you watch this around, you would not realize this is not David Prowse doing this. This is Darth Vader on screen. What we saw from the original trilogy. Yeah. From the well, way he I'm fights, seeing... from the way he walks and stalks. I've seen some rumblings of people questioning how much he Hayden has been in the suit, but it was the same thing they did with Mandalorian. It's like it, when there's a helmet on, how much do, are they actually there? Right. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it, there was um, a stuntman in the suit. Um, well, we've seen it 20 years ago that Hayden was actually pretty good with a lightsaber. Yeah. But this, but this is a totally different type of fighting too. Cause if you watch this entire time, Vader uses one hand for the lightsaber. That's it. The entire battle. Yeah. So, but um, seeing the, like I said, just Darth Vader on screen being the true Dark Lord of the Sith. Yeah. This totally mm-hmm. evil, totally full of anger and malice and uh, everything. Uh, this is the Darth Vader. This is the guy that um, people have always voted as the number one villain of all time. Yep. And he really doesn't care. No. Nope. Well, to me, there's a reason why he's the number one. Um, I, I was sharing this with someone the other day. Or actually, I was, showing, I was sharing this with Zoe the other day. To see Vader walk through the doorway of the Tanta 5 or Tanta 4 after the whole um, stormtrooper storming the ship. How, how as a kid, do you not get goosebumps? Or even mm. back in the day, how did you not get goosebumps when he walked walked in? Right. I mean, the, the the I mean, it's already David Prowse is already tall. That camera angle makes him look even taller. Mm-hmm. Here's, plus, they believe it's in the boots. Plus, you got you know the bad guys are dressed in, in white, and all of a sudden here he comes in black, dressed all black. How and the music was menacing, and yeah, and and you just barely hear the breathing until the camera gets in closer okay this guy's bad you just mm-hmm. know it you just know it. Well, also that and that walk. Yeah. Yep. The way they did the the um, the costuming for Vader was amazing with the cape that just bare, almost touches the ground. So when he walks away, it sways and stuff. I mean, it, it, that and um, just that yeah. purple. He's never in a hurry. You never see Vader rush. Even when he's fighting um, Luke on uh, in um, Empire and in Jedi, he's never actually in a rush. Yeah. Well, he's talking where he's going to go and that's where he does. And with the walk, he's essentially got his hands on either side of that 
that center, what would be considered the belt buckle, mm-hmm. that 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 box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he walks with his hands on either side of that, and just walks. He's like, okay, I don't want to mess with you. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, Ken, you're number one. I think that was most of what I had was the the um just the battle with Vader and um Obi Wan. Uh, this is what I hope I always hoped we would have gotten from Darth Maul and Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah. There, I got your number one correct. Yep. My number one with this, uh, if I remember right, this is when we see the Inquisitor, Grand Inquisitor, get killed. Right. This yeah. episode, and we and we see how. No, no, it was the end of the last episode. Okay. Yeah, it was the end of episode two. We see the ten. Okay, now I remember. We see the tension amongst the other Inquisitors after. Yes, yes. The perceived death of mm-hmm. and how the the power play is going between fifth brother and third sister. There's like four sisters just hanging back, siding with fifth brother, but the power play is between fifth brother and third sister. Right. So yeah, he says straight up, no, this is my place. You'll sit back. I am. I will be the new Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. Right. So final thoughts, guys. Um, can't wait to see the rest of it. See where it leaves off. Yeah. Yeah. This is gonna be awesome to see where and, the finish uh, of this ends up at. Yeah. And really quick, I just want to say. Um, the actress who plays Leia, Vivian Lyra Blair, just had her birthday on June 4th, her 10th birthday. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Leia. Welcome to the craziness that will be the rest of your life. Consume you. <laughs> so, Ken, final thoughts. Uh, after seeing these first three episodes and the way this is, Dave, the, the, um, we talked about Vader and how it lo- feels and looks like the classic Vader. Um, but this little Leia, there are so many little things that they've done to, with their hair hairstyle with the costumes and stuff to mimic what we see mm. from Leia in the original trilogy but the personality is so similar that you can see this being that feisty Leia that tells Vader where to stick it in the new hope yeah 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 and as Obi-Wan says I see so much of your mother in mm-hmm. yeah no yeah. he t- no he doesn't say her mother he just says someone he used to he re- she reminds him of someone he used Y'all to know, know. right yeah. yes 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 so and that was actually in part three that he says that yep. um well my final thought is give the event Evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jet, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. Oh, <laughs>